Welcome to Conversations in Commercial Banking, a podcast series dedicated to the pressing financial topics facing middle market business leaders today. We bring in experts from all facets of our North American institution to provide actionable insights that help you navigate today's environment. Our discussions include industry trends, strategies to identify and manage risk, and unlocking opportunities for growth, all with the purpose of helping you realize your ambitions. And now for this week's episode. Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of CIBC's Commercial Banking's new podcast called Conversations in Commercial Banking. I'm Brian Greenblatt and I lead the Illinois Commercial Middle Market Banking for CIBC US and I'm pleased to be your host today. We're kicking off our new podcast with a series based on CIBC's upcoming white paper titled Privately Held Business that our commercial banking team is launching. Each episode will bring high-level details that correspond to each chapter of the white paper. You can find that white paper on our website, us.cibc.com. For the first episode in this series, pre-liquidity planning, before you sell that business, we begin at the end. Laying the groundwork for selling your business, we'll touch on identifying potential purchasers, family wealth plans, and consider what life after the sale may look like. Joining me today is Art Graper, Managing Director and Senior Relationship Manager here at CIBC. Art, hey, welcome and thank you for joining us today. You know, this is a pretty broad topic um, and there's many considerations to think about when you're contemplating a sale. I'm kind of curious, how often do you actually see families plan for a sale event? Well, thank you, first of all, for having me today. That's a great question. The families that I, I that I see that have the best success in transitioning family businesses, it's not just a single event. It, it doesn't happen at the time that the senior generation is looking to sell the business and monetize it. It's a process that begins early on uh, when the generation may have the opportunity of being part of the organization a plan is put in place to really start to look at how best uh, the the family business would like to transition as the children grow and mature there's going to be kind of either a natural delineation of those that want to continue to participate within the business or those that have no affiliate affinity uh, to do so and, and pursue their own interests I've seen family businesses uh, that really support both ventures, that it's not a pure requirement that the prodigal son or daughter uh, were to assume the leadership role in the business, uh, that there's actually opportunities for the quote-unquote family business to be able to support those individuals who decide not to pursue the family business. So I think the bottom line answer to your question is not a single event, but it's really more of a philosophy of wealth planning uh, that begins early on uh, in the business life cycle. So who do you see typically um, looking to purchase family owned businesses? Um, There's obviously, there's a lot of different um, opportunities and where to go to sell a business, but you know, who's the typical buyer of a family-owned business? Uh, great, great question as well. 
there are multiple potential uh, acquirers of the business. First and foremost, I think the family is looked at as the primary acquirer of a business. And that brings up a, a, really a, a multitude of different questions and uh, policies, maybe even governance on, on how that works best. Uh, as I mentioned a moment ago, there are maybe some family members that want to be part of the business and others that don't. And, and how do you equate that? And it may also require some planning as it relates to spouses uh, of family members that are involved in the business and how do you protect those claims of, of potential spousal claims uh, from the business interest. Uh, the other potential acquirer would be key employees. Uh, you may have a senior management team uh, that has been groomed over a period of time. Uh, they have a, worked basically their entire lives of, of the opportunity at someday taking on the leadership role and, and moving the, the company forward. And then there's the opportunity of selling to a third party uh, and allow the opportunity of the monetization to occur and uh, allow a complete new leadership team uh, to take over the, the control of the company. I'm curious, I mean, do you see, is there a process that you've seen work for a family to help evaluate all three of those potential options? I think that the, the, the big piece really kind of goes to your first question, uh, and that is the opportunity of not having it become a, a single event uh, where you wake up one morning and uh, you decide that I would rather uh, be able to enjoy my time either with grandchildren or pursuing recreational activities and, and want to just sell the business. I think that it becomes a part of an overall plan that could be years, if, if not a decade, uh, in the making. Yeah, it's in, it's interesting hearing your your thoughts on this because I see it all the time with our client base. Um, um, the the success rate of the people of clients who have looked at this as a long game decision as opposed to I wake up one morning and decide this is my time to sell my business. Um, it happens both ways, but I, I, I really appreciate the way you think about that as as the long view. Um, you know, to switch gears a second, uh, if you think about the things that happen after the you go through the process of evaluating i want to be in a sale process uh the second piece is it does the family have a wealth plan in many cases this is generational wealth what do you see from clients and prospects about how they think about a long view wealth plan and how does that actually fit into the plan of sale Yes, thank you. I think this is for those families that are most successful. The the plan itself is usually done well and it, and it's done in advance. However, there are circumstances where kind of the latter of our last uh, discussion where a, a client may kind of wake up and, and decide that now's the time uh, to start looking and evaluating that, that sale. Uh, in looking with or, or working with attorneys and other advisors, uh, it really becomes important uh, as far as how that messaging and the communication is done prior to the sale itself, uh, because there it, it, it's extremely important depending upon who the acquirer is. If it's family, uh, 
there's a likelihood that some family members are going to be part of the organization moving forward where others are not. Uh, and I think in a, a, a next episode, Halsey's going to dive into a little bit more of the, the, the mechanics behind some of the planning, and Ryan's going to dive more into some of those family dynamics. So I'll be a, a bit brief there. As it relates to the sale to a potential key employee or third party, it really kind of puts the family and the planning all on the same side. There's There's not a natural division that may occur within the family. And the big piece there really is how can I extract the best transfer of value by moving as much of the growth outside of potentially the selling the senior generation that's selling the business and be able to maximize the estate value to the next generation while making sure to try to minimize as much as the income tax as possible. And that's where having a complete advisor, a team that is holistically working with the family on each of those components is critically important. And the communication level and openness between all the parties is a critical factor, including uh, even uh, people from CIBC where some of the financing may be in place too all of that team has to be working uh, very harmoniously and, and collaboratively. You know, can you can you go a little deeper on who are the types of outside advisors that someone's going to that 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 a that a business owner family should be thinking about bringing on board? You mentioned CIBC from both the commercial banking, from perhaps investment banking, and the wealth side. What are the others that are involved in that, and where they should be thinking about it? Absolutely. Having that advisor team is critically important. I would say the first and foremost, you're going to have most likely if it's a sale to a third party and even to an extent a family member, you're going to have to understand the determination of what is quote unquote fair value. What does that look like? How is that represented? And that might be different between a family sale and a sale to a third party or a group of employees. The next really important aspect is probably maybe equally legal, uh, regulatory, making sure that you have advisors, depending upon the industry that the business is in, there could be very specific rules and laws associated with a transfer of uh, assets or the, or the business itself. It may also have critical supply line or supply chain uh, regular, uh, issues or concerns where you may be a, a critical component within that either distribution um, or, or supplier where they may also also have uh, restrictions. Accounting, the CPA is gonna be important as well. The accounting aspect prior to the sale itself, you wanna make sure that the business has a very well-maintained uh, set of books and records that are very well and, and meticulously reviewed and will be part of probably a due diligence, especially if you have external third parties that are to be part of the transaction itself. From a tax preparation standpoint, trying to minimize not only the federal income tax that could be potentially for the sale itself, but also states uh, as well. And, and how do you create or mitigate nexus uh, in some certain states that may be income tax unfriendly and also understand uh, that there also may be local uh, rules and regulations that need to be followed as well. We talked about uh, the financing, uh, so that the bank is going to be another key aspect uh, as far as that overall relationship. 
Uh, and I would say that then moving into kind of the, the wealth management really should also be uh, part of that and how to make sure to plan both from an, an legal standpoint on the transition of the wealth itself, if there are vehicles or strategies, trusts or other things that are in place could be extremely important. Uh, mentioned earlier, you may need some protection as far as uh, restricted stock type of agreements or buy-sell agreements uh, that may also need to be funded with some type of life insurance. So a life insurance agent may need to be part of the overall uh, picture as well. And then really starting to prepare the family uh, or the business owner uh, for the next chapter. Uh, what does things look like after uh, the sale? And then how do you take something that somebody has done, and, and this is actually fairly common, where one individual may look at a business owner and say, my goodness, you have all your wealth, it's all concentrated in, in a single business. Uh, that, that really brings on a lot of investment risk. Uh, where the business owner, that's what they know, they understand it, they live and breathe it, they've done it for 30 years, 50 years, whatever the case may be. And that next chapter, uh, no longer having that business and now have a pool of either cash uh, or uh, finan other financial assets can be very disheartening uh, to them. And, and working through that process could be almost as important as the preparatory work in, in the sale of the business. So hopefully that answered your question. Uh, there are probably other advisors that I have missed. Um, so to that, I apologize. No, I, I think there, at some level, the list could be endless. And the timeline here is, uh, you know the the number of people involved in a transaction, a complex transaction like that, is uh, sometimes uh, daunting. You know something you said in in your last statement about what does life look like after a sale, um, and and something you, you mentioned about the emotional aspect of that, whether it's selling outright to a strategic or private equity or to another family member or key employees, the business owner is going through a lot. Is there something that you see families do that have helped them transition more effectively and and push past the emotional into a new stage of life? No, that's really the, the key aspect, and that's making sure that the business owner has the opportunity of, of feeling good, uh, that they did, that they made the right decision. And Many times they look back and say, well, gosh, if, if we could have done these next couple of things differently, uh, maybe the result of the sale itself might be, have been better. It's really having them have a plan uh, similar to the next generation of the family. Uh, if they're the ones acquiring it have, uh, or it's key employees or even third party. Again, it's a, it's a process. It's a plan that is developed and then executed. I would say that Part of that overall plan also needs to be the focus of that next generation of well before the sale actually occurs, allowing them to have an opportunity to look at what will life look like past this. Uh, if it's a family that is acquiring it, is there a governance board uh, where the prior generation that was involved in the family business, are they still there in a, in a supervisory role or a consulting role or, or are they gone? understanding some of those family dynamics, and I think that Ryan Colson's gonna get into a lot more detail, is extremely important. Uh, the, the generation that bought the family business may really value uh, the experience and leadership that they may have to offer, 
or they may resent it and they may feel that it's their time to be able to run the business how they feel is most appropriate. So that's, that's part of that emotional piece. And to the extent that the family has kind of operationally through a plan on how that looks like, then, it, then it's going to allow really a more clean opportunity for that next generation to move forward. And, and the expectations for the selling generation are going to be in line. The other piece I think is really helpful is allowing the ability for an accumulation of wealth outside of the family business. And what I mean by that is it's almost kind of like a mattress fund. And earlier I mentioned the concentration of a family business. It, it usually is their most uh, concentrated asset on their balance sheet. It makes up nearly all their wealth. Over time, however, I would recommend that family owners begin to develop a nest egg that's of financial assets that are not the business outside of that. And that could be in the real estate. It could be in a traditional portfolio. Uh, there are many different ways of being able to do it, but it allows the opportunity for exposure to life and the kind of the financial assets outside of the business and, and get an understanding of what it feels like to go through an economic cycle, uh, the boom and the bust, that over time, history has proven that risk assets, uh, such as the equity markets, can be very, very valuable and provide great wealth, uh, where municipal bonds uh, from a, a, an affluent individual provide a lot of stability uh, and a source of funds and liquidity in times that are more economically uh, distressed. So having that understanding and going through that maybe while still running a business can be very insightful. And I think the biggest piece is really the financial assurance on, from a cash flow standpoint that that senior generation is not going to have to worry about over transferring. So when we talked earlier about establishing a plan in transferring asset value from one generation to the next, and really one of the potential objectives is maximizing after estate tax wealth for the family selling generation, the last thing they want to do is to do that job too well, where they have to go now back to the second generation and ask for funds to support their lifestyle. They need to make sure that they maintain that financial independence and that financial security, that they'll never have to do that. And that, I think, allows the opportunity for that transition to move forward, where they're not looking back in the rearview mirror uh, or getting involved where they're really not asked to be so or finally, uh, where equity uh, markets are, are volatile and, and providing stress from a financial standpoint uh, in that insecurity of that financial independence. Yeah, thank you very much, Art, because that's, I think people forget that a sale of a family-owned business, while it is an asset, it creates wealth, is a family's life and likely has been for quite a while and that just like um, you might think about retirement um, as a, a normal job it being a uh, that that you, it's a financial i want to be financially secure you also have to think about the financial you think about the cash flow you think about the emotional aspect of my business is gone and so it's taking all of that into a holistic approach finding the right advisors 
um, putting a plan together, make it a long term view, and you do all that, you, you really do set the stage for a successful um, outcome. And so Art, I really want to thank you for walking us through all of these really critical considerations. I want to thank all of you for joining us on our podcast today with a focus on laying the groundwork for selling your business. If you have any additional questions, please feel free to reach out to me or your relationship manager at CIBC to, to assist. A well-executed transition is made possible through collaboration with your banker and other business advisors by communicating early on, asking questions, and sharing your ambitions for the future. In our next episode, we'll discuss the emotions and hard decisions at play between relatives when looking toward the next step for a family business. In the meantime, check us out at us.cibc.com or across several social media platforms by searching at CIBC underscore US. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to catching up again with you soon. CIBC is a member FDIC and equal housing lender. Loans are subject to credit approval. To the extent that information contained herein is derived from third-party sources, although we believe the sources to be reliable, we cannot guarantee their accuracy. The CIBC logo is a registered trademark of CIBC used under license. Investment products offered are not FDIC insured, may lose value, and are not bank guaranteed.